So what's going on podcast, welcome back to another episode. I don't know what I'm going to call this. I think I might call this something along the lines of sofa sessions because this simply was me driving up to Cardiff early in the morning to go and meet an amazing mental health campaigner called Anelli when we had a sit down about, I think it was about an hour conversation around mental health, but we also shared our stories and we have very similar stories in the fact that we both lost a parent Uh, the same sort of age and we both dealt with it in very similar ways as well and I just want to kind of show you the whole conversation that we had the reason why I called it sofa sessions is there's a video that goes alongside this that I'm going to put onto YouTube going to be sharing out onto Facebook Instagram and Twitter as well Um, but it was just a really really casual chat the camera was rolling the audio was recording and I just wanted to kind of show you the whole raw conversation that we had hopefully you can get some value from it it's open it's honest as always and there's also some tips there from Anelli and from me in terms of dealing with mental health so let's dive in to the episode so right, what should we start with I think let's start with um, you telling a little bit about yourself your story, because I remember when I heard your story, was it last Saturday or Saturday before? Saturday, a few Saturdays. A few Saturdays ago. Yeah. Um, it really resonated with me, and I think it can resonate with a lot of people as well. Yeah. But obviously go to as much detail as you want, and, and also as well, like, kind of like what, what you're doing today, because obviously you're doing a lot of awareness work, kind of what led you to, to here? Yes. Hmm. Do you think it's going to be... Do you want to go into all of my mental health journey or just, like, what led me to... Should I start with what led me to... Yeah, 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 let's do that. So I've been aware of mental health since I was really little. My mum was... She had borderline personality disorder and she was making suicide attempts, self-harming, things that my dad, you know, kind of hid from me, like, what's wrong with her? Oh, she fell in a bush, like, she'd have scars and stuff. But now I look back, I'm like, well, (laughs) obviously she didn't fall in a bush. Um, and then when I got to 19 she died really suddenly after she went missing on a night out um, which was obviously really horrible for me and I was at uni which is probably the worst time that anything big can happen to you Um, because you're away from home there's a lot of alcohol there's not much accountability so you can just do what you want so I fell into a lot of drinking um, an eating disorder like just awful just off the rails wasn't sleeping and stuff I'd go out and my then boyfriend would have to like go to he'd have to pay entry to several clubs in Sheffield to try and find me and I'd literally be like sat on the floor in the corner of a club or in the smoking area saying to someone like oh like I'll go home with you like can you imagine what he must have felt like like Mm. walking in on me like trying to basically go home with another guy but he knew I was just a mess so Luckily, I didn't ever cheat on him. (laughs) Um, And then, yeah, so then I was very vulnerable. And people, I kind of started to get over it. It's hard to say you've got over your mum's death, but I started to get over it, started to get into a much better place. And then when I was 23, I met a guy, moved in with him, and he became my boyfriend. And he became physically abusive, mentally abusive, emotionally abusive, all the types of abuse and that I think when we broke up it I couldn't really just ignore my mental health anymore you can't really go out and party when you've got PCSD like you really can't Mm. like um I just had to like really focus on my mental health 
I started documenting like what I was going through. One of my friends was a blogger and said, you should be like publicly sharing this. So I started blogging, then I started podcasting and then yeah, here I am now, I've got merch. <laughs> Just get it Link in, in the description. Right no, it's, such a, it's, such a, it's such a powerful story. And I remember when you shared that a couple of Saturdays ago, it was like the, um, when it happened, like it was a similar age to me when dad died. Yeah. And then the way you dealt with it was very similar to the way that I dealt with it. Obviously not trying to go home with guys in a in a nightclub, but I'm not um, you. <laughs> but no, it was like literally just just bottling it up, yeah. and I think that's something that I wanted to talk to you about as well. It's because I think we have those similar stories of of how we dealt with that grief. Yeah. Um. So looking back on it, how would you have dealt with it differently? Mm. Uh, it's talked about it definitely. That's what I've learned. Did like, you literally talk. like not talk at all? Was it literally just? Some things about my mum's death, I told Sarah, I think about three weeks ago, she's my best friend. Like, like, yeah, no, I didn't talk about it at all. It was in the news and stuff because of the circumstances that she died in. But like, yeah, I didn't talk about it at all. I, w- I actually was supporting some of my friends who had depression. Yeah. Like encouraging them to talk. I'm, that's like me though. Like I'm the one who's like, you know, I've got it together even though I really fucking haven't. <laughs> yeah, but I think I said this on the live stream the other day about um, when you're that person that likes giving advice but you don't take that advice. Yeah. Um, writing it down actually, it helped me. Yeah. And I think it helps a lot of people and then you said about you started to blog. Maybe that was your way of yeah. dealing with it. Oh, definitely. I, think, I always say when it's in your mind it's like really hard to deal with it but then when it's written down in front of you it's almost like you're dealing with someone else's problems. Yeah. That makes sense. So, um, why did you what was the first post that you wrote it wasn't anything to do with anything really deep it was about me being scared of killer whales I'm really scared of them <laughs> <laughs> have you ever been to SeaWorld yes that's oh. what triggered me oh, being really? scared of them yeah. I thought they'd be like friendly no they're not they're massive they are big <laughs> they are big have you been <laughs> I've been to SeaWorld yeah, yeah. yeah have so... you seen Blackfish yeah. Oh, yeah, I love Don't them. I feel sad. I feel sad for them. I don't want them to be in captivity, but I'm terrified of them. Like so, I've been scared of even cartoon ones. <laughs> <laughs> and obviously, one of my favourite places is Orlando, and you can't avoid them, can you? There, you've been to Orlando. Yeah, yeah. 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 They're everywhere. everywhere. Yeah. Like even not in Sea World, there's just bloody killer whales everywhere. So you wrote about killer whales. Yeah. <laughs> then what was your other fear that you wrote about next? Uh, so I wrote about being scared of like trying to sleep being scared of stairs like basically all the things anxious people are scared about yeah. like uh, dating like talking to people like social anxiety like I wrote about them but the thing is my posts are as dark as they are they're always quite funny I've got a dark humour so I think that's what made it easier for people to stomach to read I think that's good with mental health as well because I've said this as well is it's trying to make it more relatable is not the word but something that people can relate to I think relatable is fine yeah and I think like you say you see images around mental health of like you know yeah head in the hands and like crying and and I think that then adds to the stigma of just not wanting to talk about it because it still feels very negative yeah yeah yeah. so what's it falling downstairs that was a yeah Do you never, have you never done that? Like, when you're going know. downstairs, you never think, what if my foot gets stuck Well, me and my brother effort? and our friends, we used to put ourselves in pillowcases and slide down the stairs. Yeah. And then there was a funny story where there was four of us. We got in a duvet cover thinking it would slide. So we all got in this duvet cover and my mum heard it. She ran out and she caught our heads. Because obviously we didn't slide, we just rolled. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I was, ne- I was never scared of falling down the stairs. <laughs> oh my God. But other than that, what was, the, what was the next post? So then did you, you mentioned something about Stephen Fry. Oh yeah, that came later. That came at the end of last year. 
um, I wrote a letter to him about how when I was in the worst parts of my depression, not I've, I've used depression. I've actually never been depressed. Weird. Mm. That's really weird because that's the most common mental illness. But again, just, I don't mean to interrupt, but like I was the the same with depression. Did yeah. you? Did anyone say that you was depressed? No. Uh, the only people that have ever said it to me are people on strangers on Twitter. Really weirdly. But did you did you feel like you was depressed? No. But do you use that term depression because it was like a really, really low point? Yes, grieving. Yeah. And so when I was grieving, I had to use these audiobooks to get to sleep. It's the only way I could sleep. Um, I still use them now. Like last night I was listening to Stephen Fry. Like every night I have an audiobook on. And, but now it's more of a preventative just in case I feel shit. And am I allowed to swear on your channel? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah cool. <laughs> swear all you want. <laughs> cool. Um, and I feel like I, yeah, wrote this letter to him that was like, you know, dear Stephen Fry, he's done so much work for mental health awareness and he's talked about his story and things like that. But I don't think he would have ever anticipated that someone would have like had their life saved which mm. I do very much count it as that by him just reading the Harry Potter books do you know what I mean I feel yeah. like he needed to know that like even the things he does that aren't like directly about mental health also help because mm. he's opened that relatability gate I guess yeah that's a good point yeah so yeah so your followers definitely even when you post stuff that's not about mental health yeah it's okay to do that they like you eventually because mm. they've they've become you know come to trust you and yeah he saw the letter it was the tail end of last year and he didn't initially respond to it um and then I found out that he'd been going through prostate cancer recovering from prostate cancer so I thought well maybe that's because the BBC picked it up and the Huffington Post and QI you know and all these places that he works I thought well maybe he just didn't see it because he's been going through a lot. So I found his business email. I'd never recommend people do this. It must be such a pain in the ass for celebrities. But <laughs> I found his like PR people who yeah. book him to events and things. And I emailed them and they obviously forwarded it to his PA. And she got back in touch with me and was like, oh, Annalie, like, I'm so glad you got in touch. We've been trying to find you to like thank you for the letter. Wow. Like that was like amazing. And I'm going to be in the same room as him tomorrow. Yeah, 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 because you're up for an award. Mm. But I think that's so powerful. And again, it's like just how you probably never set out for that to happen. Like you never I set never out for... I never thought he'd see it. Or like the exposure that it then got. No. And I think I that's just, the power of like the internet and social media and just actually sharing something. Everyone could write a like... You could literally... I could write a letter about any celebrity if I wanted them to see it for like clout or whatever. You know what I mean? Yeah. But I don't think it would hit I think it comes across if it's fake. I think I don't think it would hit home if I wrote mm. something just about Donald Trump or whatever. Like, yeah, because it was so authentic and real. Yeah, to you. yeah. And so then, what's kind of happened after that? Do you feel like all of the awareness work you're doing is that helping the grief? Is that helping with your mental health, or do you think it makes it worse? On no, things? it helps it so much. Like, I can't. I don't know how I could even put it into words how much it helps it. It's definitely even more powerful than those audiobooks are for me. Like, just connecting with people who understand, uh, not not just other advocates, my followers as well. Mm. Like, I can tell them things sometimes that I wouldn't sit down and tell, like, say, my dad, because it might be painful for him to hear something. 
especially if it's something that's not that serious and I'm just thinking it I can say it to people who aren't that attached to me but also know the feeling so they know not to panic about it because they felt it does mm. that make sense yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and obviously last week I did a podcast episode with a guy called Sean Jones I think you yeah. know him do you know him or has he's just reached out yeah yeah yeah, yeah. He's, I mean, he's doing some really good stuff as well. Mm. And he's got PTSD, and it's the first time I've spoken to someone else who has PTSD about PTSD. And like, I had a few bad days this week, and like, I've been messaging him, being like, "Have you got any tips? Like, help me?" Mm. And he has, and it's been like incredible. Like the feeling that one of the biggest symptoms of PTSD is that you don't trust people. Uh, you look for enemies, and you think like, like even Sarah. Like yesterday, she took a day off to be with me. Cause she was like, I just don't want her to be on her own. Like she wasn't like worried I was gonna do something, but mm. she was like, I'd just rather her like wake up and I'm here. So she took a day off and in my head, like I was like, she just wanted a fucking day off. She doesn't give a shit about me. Literally, like I was, She there's no way she cares. She just is being lazy. Like I really couldn't put in my head that she yeah. actually wanted to be there for me. Cause that is like one of the biggest symptoms. And yet I could message Sean and because he's got PTSD be like, hey, like, do you think everyone's horrible? <laughs> and he what, what advice did he give for that? Like, do you remember? Or like, what kind of made you change, not change your mind, but obviously when those thoughts are coming in, what kind of helped? Um, so, not last night, the night before, or maybe even the night before that, I was really like, do I need to go to hospital? Like, do I need to be somewhere safe? Am I okay? And like, I wasn't having suicidal thoughts, but I was scared that I was going to be having suicidal thoughts. Like I thought if this gets worse, I'm going to be in danger. Um, and I wrote this note to myself on my phone. Should I read it actually? Cause it's quite- If you can, yeah. I'll read it. I like literally in the middle of the night, I wrote this note and it's helped me so much. So I was like, I know if I can get through tonight, I'll have to wake up tomorrow and carry on with my life. And although that's really fucking annoying, <laughs> something funny might happen tomorrow or Doug, my dog, might do something cute and I don't want to miss it. And even if it doesn't happen tomorrow, it will happen eventually. So please give me strength. And then when I wrote that, I fell asleep. Oh, wow. I'm like... That's so amazing. And I think like you tapping into meaning in that moment probably helped yeah. a lot as well. I love laughing. So like just thinking like, oh, something funny will happen and I'll fucking miss it. <laughs> like was enough. So that, that helped moment. a lot, kind of like yeah. pulling your phone out and writing. Yeah. So I just wrote that little thing. And I think that's like one thing that um, I think about now with like my dad or anyone in that situation. It's like um, Rory O'Connor, he like does a lot of research into suicide at yeah. Glasgow University. And he explained it to me. He was like, it's literally tunnel vision. And for me, like when it happened, I was always so much like, why would dad do this to us? Like, why would he inflict this pain on us? I'm sure you've had similar yeah. feelings of your mum, although it was different. Um, but it's like that tunnel vision like he never saw any meaning like no. he never saw like what we could have done for him the next day or next year um, so you like writing down like you know your dog could do this funny and the next day gives you that little bit of hope to then like you know last another night and then yeah. see how you feel the next morning I think like that's the thing when you feel like that you just have to get through that night yeah. because something funny will happen I know it's weird to talk about something funny no, 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 it's... but that gives you relief like yesterday I met my nan she came to Cardiff to see me and well she came to Cardiff on like a coach trip with some little old oh. Welsh ladies and um, I was walking with her and these ladies like came over and they were like 
oh hello like and they started talking to me for ages in their little while chats they were so cute they were like oh it's been ages since we've seen you you've changed your hair and I was like when have I ever seen these people but for 15 minutes I blagged the conversation they were like How, how's Peter I was like yeah yeah that's my dad I was like he's fine how are yours oh everyone's okay love it was lovely and then like after about 15 minutes I realised they thought I was my auntie so they'd been talking to me like Aww. they were like oh I thought you were Claire and I was like no <laughs> but then they and then I walked away from them because I was like right now I'm going to leave you now and and then I thought okay that was that was literally my funny moment like yeah. I would have missed that exactly how could I have missed that like, and I think that's so like that um, one thing that I learned um, so there's a training called assist so yeah. it's um, like suicide first aid and my bigger issue was when when people were messaging me I was trying to like fix their problems the same with looking back at dad I was trying to fix him yeah and the main thing that I took from from that course was you have to get them to safety like that night yeah you have to give them like another day to see what happens and then as you said you never know what's going to happen the next day it could be something that sparks you know change but it's like not trying to fix it all the time I think yeah I don't know about you but do do you find that you're quite obsessed with like getting better yeah yeah. Yeah. Do you feel like that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. Amy wrote it in her wedding vows to me. She was like, I'll support your obsessions or something like that. Because <laughs> literally, I'm all in or I'm not in at all. Yeah. I'm getting, I'm getting better at it. But, like, literally, if I'm not fully focused in on one, like, for example, if I'm exercising, it has to be all in. Yeah. If not, I beat myself up over it. Oh, do you? You know, and it's like, I think I'm just maybe a bit obsessive. (laughs) (laughs) But I think, again, but that helped me, I think, in that time. Yeah. Because I got so obsessive, like I had to find a way of feeling better. Mm. But now I'm kind of like trying to moderate it a little bit. So rather than being all in, like just be. I feel like mental health awareness is my calling. That's mm. weird though, isn't it? Like, my family are like, hmm. <laughs> <laughs> it's sent by the angels. No, okay, no, I don't think. <laughs> no. no, but I know what you mean because then you, you It's you like feel my like, everything. I'm like, yeah. I want to save everyone. And do you enjoy, like, this is, do you enjoy like the journey of it? Like, do you enjoy the process? So, yeah. Like, you're not thinking, oh, I need to make this work tomorrow because no. I need this. It's more of like just doing it every single day. It's things like I wrote that note and I managed to get myself feeling better. And I'm not saying that that can, I know that I'm not any stronger than anyone else, but the fact that I managed to do that mean, means I feel like, hmm, well, I've got something to share there then, haven't I? Because I managed to come back from a night where I was scared that I was going to do something stupid. So that means that someone else might have been able to utilize that mm. and feel better. And I feel like people who can kind of see that should be speaking up you know I feel like there's a lot of people are scared of speaking up about mental health so if you're not scared you almost have to shout about it constantly yeah. and like uh, show those people that they, they shouldn't be scared because yeah if you can do it why, why do you think people are scared like why do you think you didn't talk at the beginning I didn't talk at the beginning people are still out there you know, suffering in silence, feeling like they can't talk, even though there is more awareness around mental health now, there's still more people that, you know, reach out to me and be like, oh, you know, it's privately. Yeah, like, you know, I can never imagine talking about how I feel. Why do you think people still struggle? Were you scared? I don't think I was scared. I I think I thought I was strong enough to bear it. I think I thought I can handle this. Like, I've got this. I think I thought, I think it was almost like a... 
narcissistic complex. That's yeah, no, really I know bad. what you're saying. I don't think it was. I, I like we were talking a little bit before off camera. Mm. Like looking back on things, you can look at them a little bit more yeah. rationally. But I think when you're in that moment, like I always say, I didn't talk because you know I was ashamed and afraid but I don't think it was that I think it was literally I was just getting on with it yeah just pride like just, as just, well. just plowing through like work everything just trying to have some normality and then it all kind of comes crashing back down so I don't think I was ever afraid of talking about it because I, I spoke to my mum about it and I, I tried counselling on the GP so I, I think I was ready to talk I just no I think I was okay to talk I just wasn't ready to talk yeah that makes sense. like you're yeah. just literally trying to deal with it you're in your own way I don't think I knew that it was serious enough that I needed to talk yeah. about it like I don't think I knew that so what do you think about um, someone shared it a little while ago and I shared it about we have to hit rock bottom now to, to get the help that we need when it comes to mental health and you know I think that's a terrible way of dealing with it on, on a more global scale of like you have to be critical to get some yeah. support but as we've both said like we both had to hit that point to actually realize there was an issue yeah so like do you think do you think early intervention is still important or do you think sometimes you do need that rock bottom to to realize i think we only need the rock bottom because it's not normal to talk about it yeah. if you think that we were what is it like 10 nearly 10 years ago for both yeah, of us yeah. it was even less spoken about then mm. so if it was normal to just talk about grief and talk about the bad things then i think it would have just been natural for us. Yeah. Like, I'm hoping that, like, kids now are brought up in, like, a world where it's, like, at least at this level I'm going to get better. Mm. Do you know what I mean? And then yeah. they will just naturally do that and not have yeah, to go yeah. through what we went through. That's a good point. I think, like, once... once you're, If we were educated on it at school yeah. and, like, growing up that, yeah, you can talk about it, we probably would have just done it. It'd just been normal. Yeah. But we were taught the normal way of doing with it is head down, get on with life, go back to normality. And Be just British it. about it. What do you think about grief? Because I'm, I'm super interested in, in grief in different cultures at the moment. I know yeah. that sounds a bit weird. Um, <laughs> I love it. But for example, like someone would say, there's somewhere in India and she went out there and you were literally seeing these bodies like thrown and you're there and it's like a whole ceremony there throwing these bodies and you're all kind of there watching it happen. Um, then you've got other cultures where they'll like dress their grandma up and stick her in the lounge and like all dance around her okay. to like celebrate like her not her dying but celebrate her life yeah whereas I think the British culture is still very suicide's bad mental health's bad but grief's bad as well it's like we can't talk about death no and it, it is very much like have the funeral which is really sad then get drunk and have yeah. a wake and, and then, then that teaches go back to you work and, and like, then get drunk <laughs> like it does yeah. teach you that alcohol is a coping mechanism because that's the the part of the day where you have the relief from yeah, the that's true. sadness isn't it and also as well like the wake is when you you do get drunk and there's this whole f f new thing that we say all oh, the funeral is there to celebrate the, their life and we did that with dad we had like a more upbeat song when people left and we went to a bar and i remember getting shit-faced yeah, but I think as well my whole reason of getting shit-faced is because I was very closed off and then like drinking a little bit more alcohol allowed me to actually talk about my dad a little bit more yeah. the day. but then coming back to that like you say that's almost the only celebration you then have yeah. I found after the funeral I don't know about you that was like the hardest mm. time because everything goes back to normal you're in shock I think in the first bit that's that's what well that is what gets you through grief isn't it shock when you're doing all that stuff and then I can't remember what order things come in but there's like anger like mm. denial all that stuff I did hit all of them like 
like <laughs> cliche hit all yeah, of yeah. them with like a massive hammer. <laughs> like, and was it all in like one day or was it like the <laughs> no, slow process? No, it was probably about a year, I think. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I think, I don't know, like when you, do you still feel sometimes now when you're down, like you want to go and just go wild? Does that still tempt you? Because it does me. Mm, I don't know, because I've got kids, so it's like, yeah. I know what it's going to be like the next morning when someone's jumping on yeah. Um But I mean, is the, I don't do I it. I fall back into bad habits. Like, mm. for me, it was always Christmas. Mm. So, like, I was, yeah, I'm over dad. Not over dad, but yeah, I'm dealing with this. I'm getting better. And anniversaries. So, for example, yeah. like, Amy, she knew. Like, when it was coming up to an anniversary, I'd be like, yeah, I'm fine. Like, this is, like, it's seven years now or eight years now. Yeah. Um, You know, I'm fine. And then I would literally just close. Like, I would just be quiet. Yeah. And she would say something. I would snap. And she would know that I wasn't right, but I didn't know that I wasn't right. And the same with Christmas. Like, Christmas comes, and I just eat, 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 and I just drink, and you almost go in, like, self-sabotage mode. Yeah. Um, so I think I unconsciously do it. Yeah. Yeah. No, that makes total sense. Yeah. I, I always think... Oh, I thought that was Sarah coming back. I always think that Christmas, or her birthday's two days after Christmas, so that's oh, wow. fucking shit. <laughs> um, but I always think, like, oh, it's just another day, it's fine. And then I get like a bit tense mm. in the lead up to it. And then I'm awful on the day, but I never expect it. So I always think, well, it's been ages now. I should be fine. What do you, this is a good point actually. What do you, um, so obviously both of ours is like nearly 10 years. Um, I have people message me and they say, you know, their son, for example, took their life seven months ago and they're really struggling. And I look at that now and I just say, it's so raw. Like you've had seven months, I, mine's 10 years and I'm still trying to figure it out. Yeah. And you know, I think as well, if it's your son, it's different to your dad. That's just the way I see it now. But then also people message me and they say, you know, I lost my dad 40 years ago to suicide and I'm still struggling to deal with it. So what do you think about time when it comes to grief? I, I think time does help a bit. It numbs it a bit. But I don't think it will help on its own. I think you do have to talk as well. I don't think time would have helped me on its own. I don't know, it's hard to tell because I've had the PTSD in the middle of this grieving process as well. It's kind of hard to tell what would have happened if I just carried on ignoring it. And obviously you've not carried on ignoring it either. Mm. But I feel like there comes a point where you have to start like facing it and talking about it. But it's definitely not the beginning bit. The beginning bit, just let yourself be you known, I think. Yeah, so I say to, I think I always say if someone is so early, I say never judge any of those emotions that you're having about it. Yeah. You know, someone would be like, you know, I can't get over it, or I can't understand it or you know I'm really struggling to get out of bed and I just I just say to them don't judge any of those feelings because that's just a part of it and then I spoke to someone um, a little while ago and I think her dad was sort of 20 years and she said people have turned around to her and said like you know it's 20 years now you know get on with it you know just you know get One on with life one of my life. friends said that to me after two years I was like don't you think you should be over it now but I mean I was still acting out but mm. I was never acting out in a way that damaged anyone else. Had she lost anyone? Do you no, know? never, never, not no so one. It's almost like she couldn't. Yeah, couldn't empathise at all with it. But yeah, I mean, we're still friends. And she's, she'd be well, more. I, I think that's like they always say: you cannot put time on grief, and I just think that's so true because yeah. you know, in twenty years' time, you know, it'll be thirty years for both of us, but we'll still be dealing with it. You know, and we're I don't gonna have to deal with it forever. Yeah, I, I, I always say time helps you manage it. Mm. And if you agree, like it's always there. But for me as well, um, I find like certain periods make it a little bit worse. And then 
especially because you talk openly about it. I talk very openly about it. Um, what I found only a couple of weeks ago is um, like I was ever like I can stand on stage like you know and, and share and do a video and share and um, I did the road trip and I hearing other people's stories that sort of overwhelmed me a little bit and then um, I remember just I sat there like a, about a week or two ago and I just, just cried and I think I was just like, I just want to see him again like I was just really really like yeah. wanting to see him and it's almost like I, I give people the lessons of like don't don't bottle it like I bottled it up and then there I was like bottling I still this, bottle this grief yeah. up and like just getting on with it and not accepting it in a way and then it all comes back at you again it's very um, easy to look after other people yeah. like that's like it's a it's a nice quick release of your own emotions when you look after someone else like yeah. when you say to someone else like oh are you okay when you reach out like reach in rather to yeah. someone else's issues I think that's a lot easier to do than to reach out when you need help do you find that that's you almost then avoiding your own problems mm, yeah maybe I don't know it's hard to tell that's isn't it because we're still it? on this journey yeah, it's like... and that's the thing like when you start talking about your journey like when you start talking about your story you don't start when you've finished it mm. you start when you sort of in it still yeah, yeah, yeah. so you don't really know how it's gonna pan out because I found yourself. like when I was like that a week or two ago um, and I needed that time and then I had a bit of time to myself and then I felt better and like just crying and actually accepting that emotion and accepting that I was struggling with it yeah helped like 100% what wasn't helping was just like carrying on and being like yeah it's, it's fine yeah um, but I sometimes find that am I reaching out to people and trying to help people because I'm avoiding what I need to help I don't, I don't think I am I just think I, don't that's think, a, I, don't I just think, think that's I, a, I think a lot of people probably would yeah I think for me obviously it's quite hard to get help for PTSD unless you're in the military which I learned from Sean when it's quite mm. easy because I think when people think PTSD they think yeah, yeah, yeah. the military they don't think about like the survivors of say the Manchester bombings who I think um, through someone I kind of know someone who was there and that person has only had like CBT for you know like just standard CBT so they haven't had proper mm. EMDR which is rapid eye movement I, I'm not really sure how it works no, but I they do something like that. yeah so I think when you're looking for treatment for something like that or trying to access treatment can be difficult depending on where you are in the UK I think that you kind of have to talk to people so I do think that even though maybe part of it is helping other people distract you from yourself if you weren't talking about it and you couldn't get counselling or, or you maybe you're not in a state where you need counselling now either like you might have come along so far from mm. your dad's death that you might not actually need counselling but you're still talking and you are still talking you yeah, say yeah, you're not yeah. acknowledging it but no, the videos course, yeah. you are expressing yeah like yourself. videos I always say and like you've said as well like writing it down like the videos help me 100% yeah. I always joke when I'm talk talking on, if I do like an event and there's people there I'm like I'm this is like free therapy for me or yeah. like yeah. I'm getting paid to talk because I'm getting paid to like this have is literally therapy, therapy like, right yeah now. exactly <laughs> yeah. and um yeah I think that's why it's so powerful for anyone to share it's like it doesn't matter whether you just I always say now it doesn't matter if you share something on your Facebook profile just like yeah. a post or something because people now show me that they've done it and this is what like inspires me more now is that I like to help people that maybe feel like alone or, yeah. or, or feel like they're suffering in silence but then 
now when people are like, oh, you actually inspired me to like create a post or yeah, a video. And then yeah. I've now had a message from someone saying that my video helped them. And I think this has knock-on effect. I think we, we talked before we put the camera on about um, how you think mental health can be like competitive in terms of like, oh, I've got a worse diagnosis than you mm. or whatever. And I think there's aspects of that, but I think where it's quite nice and not competitive is when it comes to actually raising awareness. Yeah. We're all like one big team. Yeah, exactly. Like and all the charities amazing. I found are like, we're all on, yeah. we're all on the same team. Yeah, because it's not like being a, I don't know, a food blogger where like you want to be the best food blogger because you want to go and eat at the best restaurants yeah, or whatever. Yeah, yeah. It's like, no, let's save some lives. I think that's so powerful. I just think that's where it's different to other kind of online communities because mm. you're you're happy to teach people everything you know. I'm happy to teach people how to podcast. You're happy to like teach people how to podcast video, whatever. Like happy to help other people out because you know that's one more branch on the tree that's reaching yeah. somewhere else. And I think that we, I think you met, you said it at a story camp and I've said it before, is that when I was doing a lot of the fashion content, you almost have to hide behind this um, yeah. sort of perception of who you are. Yeah. So like every time I do a video, right, got to put a suit on you know yeah. I've got to make sure the angle is good and I've got to talk from a place of confidence. being yeah, confident and not tell them that maybe I was actually crying about an hour before yeah. that or, oh or yeah. like struggling to like get out of bed in the morning and I think that's the whole thing someone said it I think about if you're having a bad day yeah you know if you're the person giving the advice, what should you do? And I think it was either you or someone said- It was me, quoting yeah, yeah, me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was you, credit. Um, you know, it's the best, like when you're trying to raise awareness around mental health, like being as open and honest is the best thing you can do. Oh yeah, definitely. And like, and someone, I get, I've had loads of messages. I just did a little video on my on Facebook group and I did it on a live the other day and I said exactly what I just said then. Yeah. And people are now reaching out. And honestly, that's just helped me so much. And I think, you know, I don't want to be seen and you probably don't want to be seen as someone who's got all the answers. No. You just want to be real and, and tell them how you feel. And Yeah, and I also don't want people to think that I'm like, it's really weird because, well, this maybe goes back to stigmatizing myself, I'm not sure, but I'm not like sat crying every day. I'm yeah. like really, most of the time I'm having loads of fun. Like yeah, it's yeah, so yeah. weird. Yeah, no, I, I see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, and I don't want people to think like, oh, you know, poor Annalie either. Like just take me as me. And that's why I love like Twitter. Like I love the little like, community there because because everybody's going through it they know that you're still like some people are really like witty some people are like really into music there's so much more to people than the mental health and that's like really cool as well like you can go and an do interesting things point is like there's still that perception that if you struggle with mental health like you're always sad or yeah especially like depression if you've got depression you're always sad yeah it's not that at all no it's like not at all like sarah's really like obviously she, i was gonna say she's not here to defend herself but she's not to defend herself <laughs> um she's really quite open she's she used to co-host the podcast with me and she's quite open about the fact that she's um really severely depressed but she's one of the most positive mm. chatty people yeah we just spoke yeah. didn't we and like i wouldn't you would never know no never know and like she's definitely better at small talk than me like i can do the like deep chat do you <laughs> think I'm terrible at small there's talk. this again there's this i did an article on it about me and my mask and i spoke about how like after dad's death i would go to the pub with my mates and like we would drink we'd drink laugh like literally i would show no signs of being sad and then i'd walk home and one of my friends would be chatting and then i'd go home go to my bedroom and just cry and like bury my head in like the pillow and and 
and that would be my escape from it and then the same thing would happen the next yeah. day um so i don't think that's positive but then i also think sometimes but you have to get it out yeah exactly and i also think sometimes like me being in the pub crying to my mates would never have helped me anyway you know i think it's it might have filled you with the regret but the thing is i think i think that's something that's unique to men as well i do yeah. think that that is and like that obviously that's a massive movement at the minute as well where if I sat in the pub and cried, and don't get me wrong, like it's not just men though. I hate crying in front of people. Like yeah. I hate it. I've probably like the first time Sarah saw me cry was probably after the PTSD. Like even though we've been friends since we were eleven, maybe she's seen me a couple of times. But like I will not. I'll remove myself and cry on my own. And um, but I think that if I did cry in a group of women, like they would be there for me but I think if I sat and cried in a group of men they'd be there for me I think men yeah, can yeah. support like it's weird because you'd never turn away your friend who's crying no 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 and I think like, a good case of that is when I was we were in Malia and I cried because um, my dad's funeral son come on in the first bar and like three of my mates followed me out of the bar and literally all of them were there to support and yeah and I, th I always say it now my biggest regret is at that time I could have easily reached out to any of them and they would have been there um, but I just think it's like you don't but you know, some of it comes from the outside right so some of it does come from like um i think i saw matt haig shared the other day some like thing in grazia like magazine saying yeah. like oh um 97 of people think it's fine for men to cry you might not have seen the crying men we have then like which is like what the fuck like why I would you say that? that yeah yeah and um so some of it does come from outside but i think a lot of that i don't want to cry comes from us ourselves yeah, yeah, yeah. not from also as well like, i'm i'm super i was all for like making men emotional like but yeah. it's almost sometimes i say it comes down to self-awareness like you said some some guys can't cry like some guys yeah. struggle to show emotion via crime they'd rather show emotion other ways and i always say there's now this whole movement that maybe if you don't cry I don't, I don't want it to become that if you don't cry you're not a man like the complete opposite <laughs> and I think everyone's different like, yeah. sometimes I think men might struggle with crying and then they'll start judging themselves they'll make themselves feel like they can't open up because they can't cry so I think it's for me it's like you have to find your avenue that works for you mm. I think that might just be because they're gonna beat themselves up about everything though yeah. you know, like I think every there must only be a few people that don't have the capability yeah, to, to cry, cry yeah. and like you were crying in private i'm sure a lot of those people are crying in private mm -hmm. they must be like yeah it's, it's interesting isn't it and you have those moments i think where... it's, it's, it's men that like you say it's well, i don't cry like yeah. every hour like some people probably yeah. think i do because i'm like open about crying hardly ever cry but it's like i know that i've got that there if i do need to do it yeah does that make sense yourself. it's like that I'm I'm happy to cry as a man, but at the same time, I'm not crying every five seconds. Mm. I think it's like again, it's all about balance, I guess. Yeah. Oh yeah. If you're crying all the time, you need to get help. <laughs> <laughs> like definitely need to get help if you can't. But it's I suppose what it is is don't if the emotion is there, you don't have to hold it in. Yeah. You don't have to have it. You don't have to be sad. You don't have to have a cry every Sunday or whatever. But you yeah. can't if it is if you want to cry you do have to let that happen there's a treatment someone told me that literally you just cry for like I don't know what it is whether it's like I don't know a machine or something or they say something but literally yeah you just they say cry something. yeah no, it's no, no, yeah. a brutal thing that makes you cry <laughs> yeah. but she was like I don't know whether it's just her but I think a couple of people have said you literally would just cry 
for like a couple of hours but it like makes you feel a lot a lot better yeah that sounds amazing I don't need a machine or anyone to tell me anything bad some dog videos on YouTube (laughs) but again like I think everyone's different with emotion like I always joke with um, Amy so like she's when Teddy was born like our son I was I was crying like a baby and I was like oh this is so beautiful and then then, um, she was just like this I'm probably because she'd just given birth but like no tears or whatever and then I think it was about two weeks afterwards we're sitting there watching telly and she's crying her eyes out and I'm like you're crying your eyes out over this whereas I'm not I'm like why are you crying at this when you didn't cry at that and I think we all cry at completely different things yeah it's like humour though isn't it like we laugh about different stuff yeah that's true people say like oh that person doesn't have a sense of humour everyone has one yeah just some people's are different like yeah yeah I think after the abuse Sarah didn't see me cry for ages and then just before we moved here because we've recently moved to Cardiff and um, we dropped my dog off at my dad's and on the train on the way like she was looking at me and I was there was loads of people we were really crowded packed in and there were tears coming down my face and she was whatsapping me because she couldn't shout over the oh. carriage like what's up what's wrong I was like I can't talk about it or I'll lose control and she was like fuck is this not you losing control because you're crying on a train in public oh. and this is not you yeah and like like three days later she was like are you ready to talk about it yet and I was like I was crying because for the next two weeks and I know he's going to be fine the dog's going to think I've abandoned him and there's nothing I can do to say I'm never going to abandon you he's just going to think I've abandoned him she was like you're crying you don't cry like you didn't cry at your mum's funeral and you're crying because you've left the dog for two weeks when you know he's going to be fine I was like yeah because his heart's broken (laughs) she was like for fuck's sake I think that's it isn't it like we all cry at different things yeah I think it's just accepting that we all show emotion in different ways as well Mm. but um I think it's amazing what you're doing and you've got merch and podcasts and yeah but I think just to sort of end it yeah if someone was watching this or listening to this and they might be in that low point that you was at like what would you say to them they just have to get through that moment just focus on that moment like it sounds really stupid way of dealing with mental health but for me it's audiobooks for someone else it might be podcast maybe youtube like just find something watch it probably in that moment your really darkest moments it's not always going to be mental health related content you need either like mental health related content is great because you can relate to it but at your lowest lowest point where you're worried about suicidal thoughts it's probably not great to be looking at stuff about suicide and suicidal thoughts at that point you need to distract yourself I think so yeah just find a way to distract yourself what would you say Hmm. I think I think again coming back to what you said about getting through that moment yeah. so I always say like small wins like just focus on something really small that you did that day like for some people getting out of bed is such a you know hard task and it was for me when I was really in that dark point but I was always still beating myself up because I'd got out of bed I got dressed I got out of the house but maybe I didn't start a conversation with someone so I'd focus on what, not what I hadn't done and I think if I if I would have actually focused on I've done that I've done that I've done that tick that off the list yeah little things like leaving the house fucking count as well as wins yeah yeah exactly so it's like there's really small wins and someone said to me all of those small wins soon add up to bigger victories oh definitely yeah definitely so I think like you say it's more focusing on like the moment and like the small wins rather than the rest of my life is not going to be good do you ever think about you wish that you had 
um, a chance to kind of be around your dad knowing everything you know now about mental health oh wow yeah like 100% and I think that was where a lot of those emotions come from the other day is because you know I'm figuring a lot more out and you know I'm so more, much more educated on it now and I just think if I knew this now I would have treated it completely different and then would he still be alive yeah um, but you know at the same time you can't change any of that and I think no. you know I wouldn't have learned any of this if dad no if it didn't exactly. happen to him you know exactly. so um, yeah I always say and this is a hard way of looking at grief and maybe it's the same view I'd wish anything for him to be here for like an hour or a minute yeah but at the same time you have to sometimes take those darker times and actually use them to try and yeah. do something more positively and that's yeah. the way I see it now yeah, because I, I would, if my mum was alive in a time where I knew everything I knew now, then it would be, we'd have a very different relationship. And also I'm older now as well. Like mm. we both lost our parents like our late teenage years. Yeah, yeah. Like you're not particularly nice when you're a teenager or you don't really appreciate your parents when yeah. you're a teenager. And I hate that that's the last like memories that we got together mm. I wish there was some adult like time you know where I could actually be like a normal person with her yeah um, but I think that I wouldn't have learned what I've learned like I mean I don't think that you think that and I've just stolen that from you <laughs> <laughs> but yeah um, no you're right we wouldn't have learned what we learned and I suppose speaking up you could I'm sure that you've saved more than one life already talking up like yeah I hope whether or not they've told you or recognised that you have you will have done mm. like I've had messages from people saying what I've had a couple of like you saved my life type messages but most of my messages are you made me go to the doctor yeah yeah yeah, yeah. and down the line that may well have saved lives you know so I think I think as well if you think of like the bigger picture as well this is what I started to do is like yes you saved that one person but also yeah. you've saved the effect that it would have on the whole family well that's it so you've also you know if they've got kids or they've gonna have kids you've helped that then you've yeah. also got grandkids do you know what I mean it's such a knock on effect of just helping one person yeah and maybe if people had been talking how we are now when we were younger we would have our parents so even though like we can't have them now and that's so mm. fucking awful like we might be giving that gift yeah. collectively to the few and I love that so yeah, hopefully yeah I really hope so I just think suicide is obviously not the only way people die of mental health my mum didn't kill herself but I think that it's such a horrible phenomenon I don't think it should exist at all and it's so shocking that it's the biggest killer of young people how can mm. that be and how can we not be talking about exactly. it if that was cancer yeah or, be... or like a random like I remember like swine flu I know it sounds yeah. silly but something comes around and there's so much media attention and like we need to fix this you know but like and yet this is like you know it's there and a no dark one's doing secret anything. that we're not talking about and I saw a list of charities and it pissed me off so much it's from 2012 so maybe it's changed it was a list of the top thousand charities I had to scroll down beyond halfway on that list to get to Mind which is the biggest mental health charity there was things like you know the cat's refuge and like I I get it like we all love pets and they're cute to look at and it's more attractive on TV than yeah, yeah. seeing a crying person or seeing someone who who's feeling depressed or what, however they're going to depict it but like the Sheffield City Trust like I love Sheffield I used to live there but, but how is that 
about yeah. mind. Like, this is the biggest killer of young people. How is it down below halfway on that list? Yeah. That's ridiculous. It's and also, disgusting. like, just, just again, you've touched on like suicide is the biggest killer of young people. Like, the statistics around it are scary. But it's like the tip of the iceberg. Like you've said, there's so many people that are dying from, you know, alcoholism, addictions, which yeah. I see as a form of mental health. Yeah. You've got, um, you know, my dad wasn't even a recorded suicide. My dad was an unrecorded suicide because, long story, but the coroner, my granddad didn't sort of believe it at the beginning. So the coroner put it down as an unrecorded suicide. Um, so you've got all of that as well. So yeah, like the, misadventure. Yeah, so it's, it's like the statistics are like, super high yeah. it's only telling like a small fraction of actually what is going on and that's um, even scarier yeah and should we actually only be helping the people that are going to die from mental illness should we not all like so, so suicide's like the tip and the other deaths are the tip but even that's the tip of the iceberg like how many people are living unfulfilled lives yeah. how much effect is it actually having on the economy like yeah even people who just see it from like a statistical financial business point of view like you've got staff off because they're sick they're not telling you they're sick or they're pushing themselves to the point where they're so sick they have to literally quit like how much it's having so much of an effect and like I would have a completely different even taking my mum out of the question I would have a completely different path if I hadn't been ill like definitely would have a much more productive life you know like a much more creative, productive, like all the thing, all the days or the hours or the minutes that I've lost to mental illness, mm. how could they have been better spent? Like we should be helping like even the lowest level as well. So it's such a massive, like how can mind charity be down that far in it? Like yeah, it, it's, 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 it's such a, you know, such a big thing that needs to change, yeah. isn't it? And it's, Hopefully it will change. But like you say, I think it's going to be more of like a generation thing rather than... Because as well, I, I now see it as like when my kids are older, maybe it will change. But then I think it's sometimes even further than that. Because of course, our generation are still struggling with mental health. And then obviously, you know, when you're a parent struggling with mental health and it does rub off on your, your children as well. And I think hopefully... It's just going to take more and more time. But I think it will get there. It's got to get there. We're accelerating it. Yeah, of course. Definitely. 100%. And, and talking about the statistics, when my dad died, I never knew any of that. I didn't know the statistics until probably about three years ago. And I lost my dad to suicide. The suicide rates for, for men have always been a lot higher. I know. Like, it's coming down. But yeah. obviously now people are talking about it. So I always think, why weren't they talking about it? Like, yeah. back then when they were, like, even higher. It's ridiculous. It's can, you, can you imagine if like that list was flipped and it was like depression, anxiety, PTSD, like all these charities, like PTSD on this particular street in Cardiff, like has a charity that's earning more than like physical health. Mm. Like, can you imagine if it was the other way around? Like, yeah. I think people really fail to recognise that like mental health is a massive part of health. Yeah, of course. I really do and think do they think, still fail that. Do you think if people were educated and managed their mental health better physical health would get better as well yeah yeah 100% because a lot of like physical health is you know and it's not all of it but a lot of it is actually you know because you're struggling with your mental health as well or who's you like struggle making, to battle it who's making like a salad when they're mentally ill like yeah, you're yeah. not you're sat eating like Doritos and crying <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like what Doritos dipped in chocolate just, like yeah but yeah. you're not like 
sometimes no that's a true that's a different because I was thinking more like illness but like you say just small little habits of like what oh, you're yeah. eating is probably a lot of effect of like your mental health like there's been times when Sarah's been so ill that she's not food shopped for about four weeks and I have to go and food I have to like because we shop separately food wise so I'll be like cooking enough food for me but like extra because I'm just like what have you eaten and it's like crunchy bars noodles mm. like that's it and yeah, I'm like yeah. or, or if that I'm like, well, that obviously isn't going to be good for your mental, uh, your physical health in the long run, which is then going to be bad for your mental health. And yeah, just going to the doctor is such a chore as well. Yeah. You'd go a lot sooner if you were mentally healthy. It's true. And I think a lot of people avoid the doctors even with their physical health, so mental health is even harder. You know, like to, yeah. to walk in there and say, oh, I feel this way, or, or you're scared of something being wrong with your physical health. Like it's a lot harder to do that with your mental health as well. How do, you, do you want to end it in any way? Is there anything you want to say or? No. We've said, we've said a lot. I think we've <laughs> yeah. covered a lot. I yeah, think we've yeah. gone That's all it. different angles. Um, but if you're obviously watching this, yeah. go check out on, you're mostly on Twitter, aren't you? Yeah, Twitter, Pig Latesh. Oh my God, I forgot there was a camera. <laughs> <laughs> this is the best thing about videos because you don't yeah. know there's a camera. Yeah. I, mentioned your, um, I mentioned your podcast in the live stream the other day. Someone said about good podcasts for mental health. I mentioned mine, of course, and then um, I said yours, and I think I nearly said pig fetish because I remember you saying it's not pig fetish, it's pig latesh. Yeah. And then someone laughed and was like, "Oh, that sounds like a great podcast." So, um, but yeah, no. Hopefully, this this has helped. Obviously, we didn't even you didn't even know there was a camera there. So, no. um, but if it has helped, let us know in the comments. And um, if you're listening to this on a podcast please leave a rating and a review. Yeah, and link to all my stuff in Paul's video. <laughs> no, you have to. <laughs> what do you think of the moustache? Do you like the moustache? It's a bit scary. <laughs> I've never seen really, you without it though. It's getting really so bushy. Just, this is just you to yeah, me, you true. do know that. <laughs> a few people have said, you know, it suits me. I don't know whether they're just saying next they want me to just continue looking like an idiot, but... Probably. No, um, I don't know, like that's how I picked your face. My wife won't you. kiss me until it's gone, so I think, I need, to, I, think I need to get rid of it. <laughs> yeah, definitely. But no, lovely. <laughs> cool. So huge thanks to Anneli for taking the time out to sit down and be so open, be so honest. And that's really what this is all about, is trying to get those honest conversations. Hopefully, you know, if you can relate to it, you feel less alone in some way as well. But I just wanted to say once again, thank you to Anneli. Thank you to you for listening. If you did enjoy it, please leave a rating and a review over on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, wherever you're listening to this episode, even Spotify, I would truly, truly appreciate your feedback. Let me know if you've listened to it over on social media, just pmcgregor.com over on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And once again, a huge thanks to you for listening.